Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everyone, to our latest edition of BAMS Radio. Here on this Sunday evening, the Alabama Crimson Tide moving to 4-0, continue to be number one in the country. They win 63-14 to over the Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles in one, in one heck of a performance by Alabama. Started off with a bang with Jamison Williams taking the opening kickoff back 101 yards. He later at, added an 83-yard kickoff return touchdown, made some history. First Alabama player to ever have two in one game. I'm not sure he'll be kicked to the rest of the season, but he has shown to be a weapon in the kick return game for sure. Now he just needs to work on catching the ball with his hands. We'll talk about that later. He also had an 81-yard catch and run in the game, had a heck of a contest. He and Bryce Young would have to be co-MVPs in the game uh, as they both played at a very high level. Bryce Young nearly perfect. The 313 yards on 20 of 22 passing really should have been 21 of 22, five touchdowns. Uh, now 15 touchdowns to one pick on the season for Bryce playing at a very, very high level. And we'll talk about that. They're going to need him to do so again. The flame Kiffin in this potent Ole Miss offense coming to town, 230 kick on CBS, not game the college game day though. They will be heading to see now number eight, Arkansas and they're unbeaten and the unbeaten Hogs as they will take on the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, who may be playing the best college, uh, you know, football of anyone in the country right now. Of course, they played against one of the worst teams in SEC history on the road at Vanderbilt, but they took care of business 62 to nothing. And Arkansas has now completed the Texas sweep of those two overrated programs as they beat the Texas A&M Aggies 20 to 10 under Sam Pittman. But we're going to have some great conversation tonight. Got our usual cohorts with us uh, from 89 to 93, a member of the Crimson Tide, a national champion in 1992, and someone who has got his ear to the ground and very close to the program still, William Redfish Barger. And then, of course, Thomas, the Wizard Watson Mobile, keeping us uh, you know, on, on the air always, doing a great job producing and coming up with outstanding takes and analytical numbers when it comes to breaking down these matchups for Alabama. But, William, I wanted to bring you into the conversation. A, uh, I guess you could just say a taking care of business game for Alabama. Uh, it's about what I hope to see. I hope to see some improved play on both lines of scrimmage and on both sides of the football. Not a perfect performance, but a very good one, I thought, nonetheless. No, I, I, was, I was very pleased with it, Drew. You know, when you schedule these games years in advance, especially with a – you know, a program that's been through so much volatility in the last 10 years. You know, you, you never know what the, the coach that you're going to face, the type of system that he's going to run, especially offensively. And as it turns out, this was a great tune-up game, um, you know, for Pete Golding and the Alabama defense because you're going to see a lot of the same, you know, kind of principles um, from Old Miss that you saw last night from Southern Miss, a lot of zone read stuff, you know, certainly a, a mobile quarterback. Um, but, you know, it's going to be, 
executed with better personnel um, this coming Saturday. Um, you know, certainly Ole Miss has that versus Southern Miss. But, you know, I think you saw, a, you know, an uptick in intensity. Certainly, you know, people taking, um, you know, the game a little bit more seriously. There, there was, they were assignment sound in a lot of cases. Um, you know, you got to, you know, see some guys, uh, you know, there in the fourth quarter on the defensive side of the football. Um, you know, do some nice things, was, was glad and, and, you know, thought he did a nice job in his limited opportunities uh, to see, you know, J- Jamel Burroughs get in there and, and make some things happen. Um, but, but, you know, overall, I think, um, you know, from a team standpoint, um, th- this couldn't have gone really any better, I think, for Alabama than it did. You know, no serious injuries. Um, you know, a lot of people got to play, you know, three different quarterbacks, um, so you know, I think it went as well as you could possibly expect. It seemed like, you know, just from watching it on TV that it was a great atmosphere. Uh, you know, the crowd was into it. Certainly they'll be even more into it, um, Saturday at two thirty. but, but I was pleased Drew. I, I don't think, um, you know, you know, outside of, um, you know, Jamison Williams, um, blowing, blowing Bryce Young's no interception streak. Um, and, and, you know, some, um, you know, sloppy play there, I think, you know, towards the, the end of the second half in certain instances. I thought it was a very good performance by Alabama. Yeah, I did too. I mean, I, I again, I'll say this. I just want Jameson Williams to, you know, turn his hands over and catch the ball with his hands. Even on the 81-yard deep ball, it wasn't a smooth catch. He needs to start, you know, working on that. Uh, otherwise, he's going to, you know, be a guy that they're going to say has suspect hands because he dropped what Crook probably would have been a touchdown against Mercer trying to body catch as well. That's the one complaint I've got. Otherwise, he's got the big play speed. He, you know, He's the vertical threat in this offense. I love John Mechie. I love his physicality. I love the way he blocks. I think he's a team guy. He had seven catches for 45 yards. But the one thing I will say is he, 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 does, he, he, has, he can make a big play, but he doesn't have tremendous breakaway speed and – the one thing is he he doesn't make you miss very much. So, I mean, he's a tough guy. He'll go over the middle. He'll catch the football. He can get vertical in certain situations, but he just doesn't make you miss, doesn't have a lot of wiggle. So, uh, Jamison Williams' big play speed is definitely needed in this group. Uh, you still got JoJo World developing in the slot. Of course, you've got Slade Bolden. He is who he is. He's a solid guy. That's why his drop last week was so crucial. He can't drop the football. And then I, I the, but the biggest thing that I saw as an encouragement was Jaleel Billingsley continuing to grow as a receiver in this offense. He and Cameron Latu are, are a damn good combo, William. And I mean, I think the way this receiving core is developing, they are maybe the linchpin, most important pieces. And I think they're going to be a huge factor when you talk about attacking Ole Miss and making their linebackers and safeties have to make plays in the back end Saturday. Yeah, I, I would say to me, Drew, the, the, the two biggest um, bright spots for me last night was, you know, seeing Billingsley and, and Law 2 targeted as much as they were and, you know, seeing basically, you know, two 100-yard rushers and Roy Dell Williams and Jace McClellan. And um, you know, we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I, I personally think when you've got, you know, legitimate guys in the passing game that can make this happen, and you've got a quarterback like Bryce that, you know, at least makes you think that, that you know, he's got the capability of running. 
you know, if you can go in 12 personnel with two tight ends and have them both be legit threats, um, I, I would run that till the cows come home. Um, it's just such a difficult, you know, formation for safeties and, and outside linebackers, depending on how you decide, decide to draw it up. Uh, that, that could be, you know, a very lethal uh, facet of the Alabama offensive playbook going forward. But that, that was the two bright spots for me. I mean, we've been, you know, gushing over Bryce Young for a month now. Um, but, but seeing, you know, both Billingsley and Latu factor in and then, um, you know, with an injured Brian Robinson, seeing Roydell Williams and Jason McClellan step up the way that they did, and both of them, you know, <laughs> minus a couple yards here and there, they both basically had 100-yard nights. Yeah, and I guess we have figured out that Trey Sanders is now fourth on the depth chart. He got five carries, but obviously they have some issues with the way he uh, plays without the football. It's probably why we haven't seen a Jai Hall. I'd like to see him, but in some of these younger receiver. We, we did see Javon Baker get in and make a, a nice deep catch on a ball from Paul Tyson. So, you know, that was nice to see. What a throw to Baker from uh, Jalen Milrow showing his potential. He's still got a long way to go. He's raw, but he can make throws like that. I've seen it in a scrimmage before where he can kind of make your jaw drop. So he showed his potential as well. Uh, so it was good to, to get a lot of guys in there. Good to see Bryce play the way he did. And like you said, William and Jalil as well. Before I go to Thomas, uh, how did you think the offensive line played overall? I thought they had one bad series near the end of the first half. But I thought when they had the first offense in there, other than that, they played much better football. But I was interested in hearing your take. No, I, like I said, I, I thought the team overall um, – you know, you, uh, I've been, you know, bitching about JoJo Earl getting involved in the, uh, yeah. you know, the, the, the return the return game and never expected Jamison Williams to, you know, come screaming out of nowhere like he did last night. So, you know, a lot of really good things, you know, to take away. And, and you, know, you always want to put the, you know, the asterisk out there that it was, a you know, a team that's, uh, you know, a program that's been down on their luck for well over a decade now, but still they went out and treated them like that. And then that's what you want to see. And, you know, you got to see a lot of people get out there and get game experience, you know, both, you know, for both backup QBs, I think being able to come in and sling the ball around a little bit, the way Paul Tyson and, and you know, Milrow getting some, some solid reps, you know, is certainly going to help with the QB uh, depth. Um, you know, I thought the offensive line did a, a much better job of, you know, opening holes in the running game. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that's the thing that, that continues to impress me is, you know, every week you see different things that, that Bryce Young is not only capable of, but already probably at a pretty elite level um, at being able to execute. So that that's really been fun to watch. I think I saw a, a note where he's the – you know, the first quarterback, uh, you know, in Alabama history to produce this many touchdown passes um, through, you know, this X number of starts. So a lot of good things happened last night in Brian Denny Stadium. Yeah, they did. And I wanted to bring Thomas Watts in. Thomas, uh, first of all, uh, offensively, what did you think of the performance uh, from Bryce Young and, and the offensive line and, and uh, the skill guys? So – Coming out of last week, we called Southern Miss a get-right game. And, frankly, Alabama got right last night. If there are two main takeaways, I want to piggyback on what William said. 
it was what Alabama did with 12 personnel. And for fans that don't know what 12 personnel is, it's one tailback, two tight ends, two wide receivers with a quarterback and five offensive linemen. Now, 12 personnel is a traditional college football, well, frankly, it's a traditional football period alignment. But what Jaleel Billingsley and Cameron Latu together can do puts a ton of stress on a defense. Because Latu, uh, you know, Latu is a solid, <coughs> not, not spectacular, but solid blocker that you have to account for and see what the heck's going on with the guy. Billingsley is never, like, I've never been, you know, lit on fire by his blocking ability, but he can do it in a pinch. What does that mean? It means Alabama can go pretty heavy if they want to go running with those two tight ends in the game in 12 personnel. Well, that's cool. Alabama fans should be excited about that. But the other side of the coin is really where problems happen because generally a 12 personnel look is where you deploy a base defense if you're the opposition, you know, if you're last night USM. And you really don't want a guy like, in, Al- for Al- in Alabama's case, you really don't want a guy like Henry Toa Toa trying to defend Jaleel Billingsley. It's a brutally bad matchup. And that's really the problem that Alabama's 12 personnel has evolved to create, and that's what happened last night. The best thing that the tele- came out of the telecast last night, to me, in terms of what it means moving forward for this Alabama football team was the discussion that was had regarding USM having to have two different 12 personnel uh, defensive groupings. They had to have a 12 personnel, which is probably their base personnel defense, so it's not really that big a deal. But they had to have a 12 light for when Jaleel Billingsley comes in. It's really, really odd to have a sub-package for 12 personnel. That's not something that most teams are going to have a lot of exposure to, and that causes all kinds of problems, just in terms of putting stuff in, installing things, et cetera, et cetera. So that's really one of the key takeaways from the Alabama-USM game in terms of how schematically the Alabama offense chose to attack the USM defense. But that's not the only thing. The other thing that happened, and it didn't happen a lot, but it happened enough for it to be noticeable, is the bootleg game. Bootlegs come in when play action becomes a thing. Astute fans will notice that Alabama was able to run the football effectively. Running the football opens up play action. It also opens up bootlegs. Now, I just want every fan listening to the podcast to just take a, take a thought about this. There are a few things less sca- there are a few things more intimidating in football than a guy with Bryce Young's athleticism running a bootleg off play action because what can happen? Bryce Young can throw the ball, and generally that's on a flood route concept, which is really good, or 
Bryce Young can run the ball. Now, Bryce Young probably won't run. We've You should kind of accept that if you're an Alabama fan, that that's not really a thing for Bryce Young. But that kind of stress, the 12 personnel stress, and how Bryce Young was able to do a little bootleg game that put stuff on film, that stuff that DJ Durkin and the Ole Miss coaching staff has to account for. And that's not something that Bryce Young had done up to this point, at least in terms of game film. That's a really big deal. You know, USM, Alabama, again, USM was a get-right game for Alabama. The bootleg game and the 12 personnel, to me, was just a bonus. But having said that, Drew, it is the kind of bonus that can win Alabama the football game next Saturday. Yeah, there's no doubt about let that. Me, let me let me just piggyback off of what Thomas just said, sure, Drew, because sure. when I brought up the twelve the twelve personnel concept, I, I was talking about the base one, uh, yeah. where you line up with two tight ends and, and basically you just run, you know, seam routes. Mm-hmm. And when you factor in what Thomas brought up, which you saw him dig a little bit into last night, where you start running the bootlegs, and you know you've got. You know, you basically flood one side of the field and then you give the quarterback to the side of the field that he's rolling out to three different receivers at three different levels. It tends, you know, it tends to be a a running back at the first level, a wide receiver at the second, and sometimes the tight end, you know, kind of doing a deep drag, which you saw. And that's that's what's so, I think, could be problematic going forward, and it makes it even more. Uh, exciting that, that Jaleel Billingsley, which I think is a separate topic for later on, how he's managed to dig himself out of the doghouse. Um, that that's just nasty because you've got you know all kinds of matchup problems where they're going to try and throw a linebacker on him, they're going to try and throw a safety on him, and you've got a you know a guy with with you know um, tight end measurables, but with you know sub wide receiver speed where he can be on the backside of that deep crossing pattern you seen you saw it last night you've seen it last year um that that's when you start going from problematic to impossible when i say impossible i'm talking about to defend yeah man that's that's some great points by both of you and the with the 12 personnel and the two tight end sets i think they could they could you know i think latu and, and billingsley could really be a big time matchup problem for Ole miss i know their defense has looked improved but they beat a decent Louisville team who's three and one right now. But, uh, at the time, you know, you, I watched Louisville that night. They did not impress me. Tulane's got a decent team. Uh, I know they scared Oklahoma, but if anybody's seen Oklahoma so far this year, they're not. If they're a top five team, uh, they're, they're you know, not scaring anybody. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say right now, if they're a top five team, you know, then uh, I've got Auburn stuff in my house, and so that's just not happening. And so. Uh, and, and, and but speaking on that, and then just really quickly, since Auburn came up right there, I did want to get both of your thoughts. I was shocked at how poorly they played yesterday. I mean, I, I actually was trying to watch, uh, you know, the Arkansas-Texas A&M game, but I couldn't quit turning it back to the Auburn game because of how they were getting manhandled in the trenches. And they played very poorly, and then we've seen some fallout uh, they were they were talking up this guy two weeks ago as the best young wide receiver coach in college football, and now Brian Harson has fired Cornelius Williams, his wide receiver coach that he hired after six years at Troy. Everyone knows he's a former Hoover Buccaneer. He was a great player at Troy. 
had been a really good young coach for them, but they fired him today and they've elevated an analyst, one of their analysts to be the wide receivers coach the rest of the season. To me, this seems almost like a panic move from Brian Harson. Uh, you, you don't see this happen very often when you fire assistant coaches in the middle of the season. I just wondered, one, William, what you thought of that. I, I was rather surprised by that move by Auburn because I know their receivers haven't been great, but I don't know that that's Cornelius Williams' fault. I'm not sure they have, uh, you know, a talented wide receiver room right now. No, and, and you know, I'm not going to jump jump down Brian Harson's throat over anything that he does. I, I was actually uh, fighting the, the, the buddy of mine with the remote who's an Auburn fan. Uh, because I was wanting to watch, I was wanting to watch the fighting Dabo's go down in flames. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did did catch the overtime. Yeah, Yeah. and and uh, so, but you know, I hate to say that I'm I'm starting to think that maybe Auburn has has seen this happen, you know, twice in the last you know fifteen twenty years. But you know, if you look out there and and you know just objectively. Um, you know, I honestly think that the last decent recruiting class that Gus Malzahn signed was, I don't know, four or five years ago when he got Derrick Brown and Marlon Davidson in that class. I mean, they're deficient, um, you know, all over the field. They've got a quarterback controversy now. You know, you know, this guy walked into a mess. Um, yeah. So, it, is he pushing the panic button? I don't know, but it's going to be interesting to see um, you know, how they do this going forward. You know, is T.J. Finley going to be the starter? Is he going to maybe stir the gumbo pot up even thicker in the locker room and, and trot, you know, Bo Picks back, back out there again? Um, I don't know, but it, it's almost like you can, you see that he's going to have to make a change to try and hang on to the locker room. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't realize that Seth Williams had already either turned pro or graduated. He was really the only good wide receiver that they they had, you know, in recent memory. Um, so, you know, they've got a mess to deal with down there. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, th- that Auburn-LSU matchup. And when we all saw what happened last year, Auburn just completely destroyed them. Uh, that being said, they are going to be playing this year down in Baton Rouge, which they haven't had a, a win down there. In a long, long time. I don't know how many years it's been, but it's been a long time since Auburn's beaten LSU in Baton Rouge. Yeah, 1999, um, William. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I know, I'll never forget the, the year that Jeremy Johnson uh, entered into his Heisman campaign. Everybody thought that was going to be it. And that's one of the biggest game day meltdowns I've ever seen a college football program have. I'm sure you and Thomas both remember that. Yeah. Um, so, um, I, but, but again, the, the, some of the moves and some of the comments, I, I kind of like Harson's no nonsense approach. You know, he's not a, you know, a rah-rah guy. He doesn't seem to get, you know, too pissed off or too excited, but, you know, I, I've heard him make this comment multiple times that, you know, to, to paraphrase, he, he, I've heard him say at least twice, you know, the players have to start you know, practicing and executing the way the coaches are. You know, we, we prepare to win every week, and that kind of sends a signal, you know, hey, uh, the coaches are doing their part, the players are, and that may not be the best way to build equity for a first-year head coach, but um, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But, yeah, not, I mean, to me, yesterday it was one of the better college football days I've, I've sat around and watched in a long time. Um, 
and, and, and there again, I, I didn't know the schedule at the time, but I spent a lot of time watching that Boston College-Missouri game, which was a good one. Um, you know, turned off the Georgia-Vanderbilt game real quickly. That wasn't <laughs> a good one. Um, but, you know, it was obvious early on that, that Arkansas was going to make quick work of, our, of, a, of a Texas A&M. Um, you know, I think you're going to see some some that that fan base. If, if, if things don't change in a hurry, um, you know, they're they're not getting much of a return on their seventy five million dollar investment out of Jimbo. But uh, you know, I, I just think it was a great day for college football, and, and probably the you know the cherry on top for me was you know watching that Alabama team go out there and and you know, kind of rectify, rectify some ghosts from, from last Saturday versus Florida. And I, I felt like that, you know, player per player, they went out there and did exactly what Coach Saban asked them to do, and that was get better and correct the mistakes from the week before. Mm-hmm. And before I bring Thomas back in, I, I did I did want to just expand on what you said about – and I, by the way, I did see the end of regulation, which was the meltdown by NC State, but then – uh, and then I did watch the uh, a lot of the overtime as well, or double overtime. But it was a big win for Dave Doran. But it goes back to your point, William. Uh, DJ Uyunglele, once again, did not play very well. This is a Clemson team offensively that's a shell of what we have seen uh, when uh, he had Deshaun Watson, certainly, and Trevor Lawrence. This, this Clemson team really uh, is not a college football playoff contender. Oh, no, absolutely not. And, and I think we talked about this probably after the Georgia game in week one. I mean, it, it's starting to look like that that Clemson program has plateaued um, and maybe in the process of backsliding. I mean, you know, it's, it's obvious that, you know, the DJ's not Trevor Lawrence and he's, he's not Deshaun Watson. Hell, he might not even be Tosh Boyd at this point. <laughs> Good point, um, yeah. Their offensive line is subpar at best. Um, you know, so much for the um, the, the moniker of, of possibly college football's best defense. Um, you know, NC State, could, that game could have been a blowout. Uh, three missed field goals. I, I thought, the, you know, that Cade Foster had come out of retirement for, for NC State yesterday <laughs> watching that game. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the big wide receiver, I can't remember his name. I think it's Dwayne something. I mean, he dropped a 50-yard touchdown pass during regulation. So, yeah. if you look at that overtime, you look at that overtime win, and it, it could have been ugly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, a, and that's an NC State team that, it, that Mississippi State hammered. So, that should tell you right there. And I think Mississippi State is the worst team in the West. They drop a game. 28-25 LSU, and yet I still think they're probably a bowl team, but still, uh, I think that shows you where Clemson is, and the ACC is a as a uh, conference, because right now, the only unbeaten team left is Boston College, and they're coming to, uh, Don't you forget know, Wake Clemson Forest. I'll stand up yeah. for the Demon oh, well, Deacons. That's right, that's right. <laughs> that's, why, that's why you're here, Thomas. That's right, that's right. They win 37-17 over Virginia. Yes, the, the Dave Clawson and Wake Forest undefeated along with Boston College. But that shows you right there why uh, the ACC is where it is right now. And they were running basketball schedule uh, uh, programming on their on the ACC network because that is a train wreck of a football league right now. But, Thomas, wanted to bring you back in. You can give some thoughts on Auburn and that Clemson game. But it's just – it's interesting how the season is – 
unfolding where Clemson is not a playoff contender and the ACC is basically a dumpster fire right now. And uh, it's interesting because uh, Boston College, you know, Wake Forest, the only two unbeaten teams left in that league, they don't look like they, they're going to have a college football playoff participant to me. But I just wanted to bring you in and get your thoughts maybe on some of that national landscape that we saw develop this weekend. Sure. So I think the, the Boston College coaching crew deserves a ton of credit because their quarterback, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, so yellow. Phil Jerkovic. Thank yeah, you. Phil Jerkovic. He's been yeah. injured, but BC just keeps winning. And, and so, you know, they deserve a lot of credit for that. But in terms of Clemson, it was always one of those things. Like when I looked at Clemson, their trigger man has to be just elite. I, I didn't think that what, – what, what, what Clemson always confused me for is – if you truly have an elite scheme, like the kind of scheme that you write home to mama about, your coaches get hired. And that didn't happen at Clemson. And I just, I ended up, I I consistently am confused when we talk about the Clemson Tigers coaching staff by and large. But DJ Uyunglele, I actually don't think he's the problem. I think more than anything, the fact that the offensive line is is just truly an awful, awful group has hamstrung that offense into oblivion. And they're not a college football playoff team. Now, what does that mean for SEC football fans? Well, the, the 10-3 game suddenly takes on a completely different bent than it had before. I'm not saying that Georgia's bad. I, in fact, think they're very good. But you can no longer say that Georgia is awesome because of the Clemson win. I mean, there, there's big trouble going on in Clemson, South Carolina right now. In terms of the rest of the national landscape, honestly, when I, you know, I, I was going to bed, it, I didn't catch Oregon, Arizona, but I, I, I think Oregon's not going to make it undefeated. But Maybe they, maybe, maybe Mario Cristobal and the crew will surprise me. But more than anything, <laughs> what I took from this past weekend is if Alabama and Georgia make the SEC championship game undefeated, and that's not a foregone conclusion, but if that comes to pass, the SEC championship will not matter for college football playoff p- placement. All that matters is who's one and who might be two or three because those two teams will have run through a very tough schedule with a whole bunch of good football teams that they've had to play they've had to play against. And it's gonna be it's gonna be hard, particularly, you know, you didn't bring up Oklahoma. If Oklahoma plays a team with a pulse, Oklahoma could get blown out. I mean, oh man, I don't even know how they won the game yesterday. I mean, West Virginia choked that game away with five or six just bonehead plays. Exactly, and it and you know West Virginia's look. There might be one player on West Virginia's two deep that could crack Alabama's two deep. It's 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 just the talent isn't there, and 
so you, you start you start thinking about the traditional powers. Ohio State already has a loss, and they just had a linebacker freak out and quit mid game, which. Wow, I actually am going to watch a Ryan Day press conference because that Monday presser is going to be intense. But essentially, this season to me is the wart season. And what does that mean? And I'll dovetail it into Ole Miss in a second. You know, the, the elite program sent a bunch of dudes to the NFL, and they couldn't develop talent behind. And you see that with Alabama. Alabama kind of had a step back against Florida. I think they're taking a huge step forward now. Uh, Clemson, step back. Ohio State, so far, step back. Oklahoma, leap back, quite frankly. And with all of these things coming together, you have other teams coming to the fore because they didn't send an entire draft, NFL draft's worth of people off of their roster. So, you know, we're seeing that with through four games of college football. That's fun for the sport. Uh, it's it's heartburn worthy for fans of those teams. But, you know, oh well. You know, live and learn and then move on. But yeah, just, just overall, the one thing I'm looking forward to, and this is where I'll dovetail it to Ole Miss, most rosters in college football, particularly a team like Ole Miss who had a bye week last week, have never been in a situation where they have 90 or 100,000 screaming people that want them with their their core being to fail in that football game. And they are aggressive about it, and they are making noise, and they are hostile. That is going to have an outsized effect next weekend as Ole Miss travels to Alabama, Drew. Yeah, no question about it, and uh, the, the, uh, it should be a great atmosphere. SEC Nation will be in Tuscaloosa. Uh, uh, game day decided to choose Arkansas and Georgia. That will be somehow inexplicably an 11 a.m. game. I guess they weren't expecting Arkansas to be undefeated at this point, uh, but Arkansas trying to run a gauntlet right now. Uh, William, I wanted to bring you back in. Uh, I, we talked about what you saw out of Alabama and what impressed you. Uh, what did you see? Uh, I know we talked about offensively. What did you see defensively that impressed you on Saturday night uh, in Tuscaloosa? I'll, I'll get into that in just a second. But, uh, you know, I, I sure. think we're, um, you know, being negligent here um, because it's going to be such – and I think it may end up being a better uh, watermark test for Georgia now than Clemson was. But I'm – you know, if you, if you look at that, if you look at that Arkansas Texas A and M game yesterday, at least on paper, I don't think right. you're going to find anybody that, that thinks that Arkansas's got a more talented team on paper than Texas A and M. But man, you, you watch the way those cats play on both sides of the ball. They got two good coordinators. Uh, now that game might be effective. I don't know just how healthy uh, KJ Richardson's going to be, who is a beast of a dual threat quarterback. Um, but that is a, you know, and I thought Sam Pittman probably did the second best job last year, considering what he walked into and what he had to work with in, in navigating the COVID season. Uh, but in, in very short order, he has turned, you know, a, a program that's, in my opinion, underachieved for a long time. I know it's a difficult place to recruit to and all that other stuff, but man, they're, they're a good football team, very sound fundamentally, um, 
they get after you. They got a very, very fast defense that, that you know, flies to the ball. And I'm certainly not going to sit here and predict a Arkansas win Saturday. But mm-hmm. I think this may end up being a better gauge of just how good Georgia is after we see how they match up and, and you know, handle Arkansas. Um, you know, I think Georgia's got a really good defense, uh, but I'm still not sold on their offense. And uh, I'm going to be interested to watch that game and see how that plays out. But, you know, as far as Alabama's defense goes um, last night, I thought they did a really good job. Um, You know, Will Anderson was all over the place. I think he had two tackles for a loss and a sack. Um, You know, I thought the secondary, um, you know, did a better job of tackling, better job with their assignments. Um, You know, the, the thing that, you know, I think, um, and, you know, you heard the announcers, you know, gush about him a couple of times, uh, you know, talking about Fidarian Mathis. I really think what this defense needs is one other interior guy. Maybe it's Jamel Burroughs. Maybe it's Tim Smith. But I think they need one other interior defensive lineman, um, you know, that can get in there and, and help Fidarian Mathis do what he's doing. And um, But, but, but I, I like what I saw. I mean, you know, in, in, in the face of – you know, their, their, their own fan base, uh, you know, wanting to lynch him at the stake and fire Pete Golding and, and all that other stuff. I, I thought that unit responded uh, very positively. Um, you know, you saw them, you know, doing a good job on, on some of the zone read plays and stuff, and they did a good job of keeping the quarterback in check and, uh, you know, played sound defensive football. And I think that's, a you know, a great tune-up to, to what they're going to see you know, in a lot of similar stuff Saturday versus Ole Miss. Well, and one thing I, I, I did tweet about this, William, I, that I'd like to see, though, uh, on on the touchdown drive against the ones where Ole Miss did score, uh, DeMarco Helms had another missed tackle and was late. I still think he's a good player, but in a wrong spot. I thought he was good last year as the dime back and the money when he was close to the line of scrimmage and playing, you know, more against, uh, you know, against the run and, and those routes that are inside that box, maybe tight end type stuff. I'm not sure he needs to be out wide. I'd like to see Brian Branch at free safety with his range and his physicality. I'd like to see him make that little tweak there. I think it would the secondary would play at an even higher level. I hope to see that from Nick Saban. Uh, I'd like to get him and Malachi more Branch and Malachi on the field at the same time. Both of them have good ball skills. I think that would be needed against an Ole Miss Rebel team. It's, you know, I think an outstanding offensive team, uh, you know, but I, I, and I and, and we'll see if that happens. That's kind of what the one thing that kind of stood out to me negatively in the game, uh, because, they, I mean, when you win 63 to 14, you can't complain about too much. I agree with you about either Tim Smith or Burroughs. When Burroughs was in there yesterday, he was very disruptive. I'd like to see him. I think they need to play at least six defensive linemen against Ole Miss and rotate because they need to be disruptive. They need to get two or three turnovers in the game to beat the Rebels uh, because I think they need to win a 45-31, you know, 45-35, uh, 42-28 type game. And so they're going to have to, you know, control the clock, uh, control the time of possession, some 10-play-plus drives. And if they do that, I think, you know, they can beat Ole Miss pretty soundly. I think Ole Miss is a good football team and a great offense. Still not sold on their defense. I think it's better, but it hasn't seen anything like Alabama. 
and what they can throw at you, especially those two tight ends that we've been talking about, especially uh, Jamison Williams, Speed, John Mechie. I still think they have enough weapons. And then in the backfield, they should have Brian Robinson back, hopefully to, to run with some thump and physicality. So uh, personally, I think the spread is too big. I would have Alabama probably as a 10, 10 and a half point favorite. Would not have 14, definitely not 20. I do respect Ole Miss and their ability to score. But uh, again, I think, you know, I, I'd like to see Alabama make that change in the secondary there. But I thought the linebacker core played much better, was much sounder. Maybe we'll see more from Moody. He did get a chance to play a little bit yesterday. We'll have to follow that. But I'm going to piggyback off something else to go back to Texas A&M and Arkansas that Williams said. And look, I know Sam Pittman was never a coordinator. He was a good offensive line coach, really good recruiter. He's, I think, the perfect fit for Arkansas. And I'll say it till the cows come home. And I've always thought it. And I'm never going to change my mind because I think he had a horseshoe up his ass when he won the national championship. Jimbo Fisher is overrated. He's always been overrated. He'll always be overrated. He will never. Do you understand what I'm saying to everybody on this podcast? Never win a national championship at Texas A&M. You heard me say it. It's never going to happen. He's always going to choke. He ne- and, and like I said, he got lucky at Florida State. So I think, like William said, they paid $75 million for something that they're all going to have their heads in, their, in the toilet about because you're not going to win a national championship with that clown as a head coach. And I, I, I think he's overrated. I've always thought it. And, Thomas, I'll let you talk a little bit about that and what maybe you saw out of Alabama defensively because I know uh, you, you've been – we've all been critical of it, but I thought – you know, they made some progress against Southern Miss, but I still think a couple of tweaks need to be made. Well, I, want, I did not mention Arkansas. You have to give Sam Pittman all the credit in the world. That is an old-school, physical, sound football team. I think Barry Odom should have the inside track for the Broyles Award. His defense is the one that Fun I – Fun to watch. Yeah, that, that very much so. His defense is one that I find might be a different answer to spread principles because, you know, it was Barry Odom's defense that made Matt Corral look like a high school freshman starting his first game right after the Alabama Ole Miss game last year. That's a good point. So, you know, I think there's a lot going on in Arkansas to be excited about. In terms of Jimbo Fisher, I'll only say he did lose his starting quarterback into a freak injury, and it's to me, it's still inexcusable, inexcusable, excuse me, that his offense fell off a cliff the way it did. But, you know, it is what it is, whatever. But in terms of Alabama's defense, so what could fans realistically be looking for? At least in my mind, going into USM, I felt like there would be an occasional bonehead play because much like the offense, there are pieces and parts in the defense that are continuing to mature. And there were an occasional bonehead play. You know, DeMarco Hellams, there there are times I just want to throw things. Because he did miss that that play that ended up being a touchdown. And then there were some funky angles with how he decided to attack uh, opposing offensive players. But by and large, I thought the defense was sound. I think the middle of Alabama's defense is the most suspect area. And otherwise, you know, the, the one thing I will say in terms of the outside of the defense, the corners of the outside linebackers, is 
just once, Josh Job, turn your head around. Just once. Yeah. Just one time. Yeah. Just Amen. once. Like, like I'm, I'm not even asking for like – I feel like I'm not asking for a lot. Now, sometimes he's out of phase, and Nick Saban specifically teaches cornerbacks when to turn their head or when not to. Essentially, when to play the receiver and when to turn their head. So I get that. I understand that part. So it's not all Job's fault. But sometimes I just want to, like, throw my remote through the television because it's like, dude, like, I understand I'm a fan. I shouldn't be irrationally frustrated with you, but I am irrationally frustrated with you. But, you know, what – that notwithstanding, you know, all that stuff, you know, just putting it out there for it and it being what it is. I thought the defense continues to round into form. And what have I said every week? I know longtime listeners will think I'm a broken record, and I apologize that I'm going to say it again. This team was always a team that was going to make you face palm, you know, just straight up, you know, smack yourself on the forehead because of weird developmental realities. Now, that's not an excuse for some of the mistakes, but it certainly is some context so that fans, when they see a Henry Toa Toa mess up an assignment, and the telecast again last night said, Pete Golding has told Henry T, just do your job. Just, Just do your job. If you just do your job, we will be successful. And that is the hallmark of a player who is very, very good, but still learning a complex defensive system. So overall, the defense continues to gel. The middle of the defense has questions. But in terms of how the USM game is going to translate to the Ole Miss game, assignment sound football. Where did Alabama struggle against Florida? It was not really playing assignment sound against the option game that came out. Ole Miss runs more RPO game, so it's a different kind of assignment sound. But you saw a step forward last night. And I feel like, Drew, quite honestly, that's all you can ask for from a defensive unit that is still kind of finding its way. I 100% agree with William that Fidarian Mathis needs a bash brother in the middle to really make the interior go. And, you know, smart fans would say, well, why does the interior need to go when you've got Will Anderson, who's just making people look silly at least once every defensive series? And I would ask fans to turn on the tape of that 44-16 Clemson game with Quinn and Williams in the middle. Because there was no outside pressure, Quinn and Williams was eating double and triple teams all night. And Alabama didn't have somebody on the edges that could consistently win due to injuries, et cetera, et cetera, to the point that Iabi Anoma, who was absolutely not ready at that point, was deployed to try and generate some pass rush on Trevor Lawrence. So <laughs> when you look at that set of circumstances, Alabama has the defensive end pressure. You know, Will Anderson, you know, they're outside linebackers, but they essentially play defensive ends. Will Anderson and Drew Sanders have been awesome in terms of handling edge responsibilities for this defense. The one missing piece to go with Phil Mathis is a guy that can then push that middle, those guards and those centers into the quarterback's face because there is not a quarterback that has been birthed 
be it Pat Mahomes or Matt Corral or Tom Brady or anybody. And, you know, go back and watch what Tampa Bay did to Kansas City in that Super Bowl a few months back. Pat Mahomes was getting pressure from everywhere. If you can generate pressure along the defensive line with three or even with four, you're going to win a lot of football games. So, you know, that's really the one missing piece to me. I expect Henry T to continue to settle in as the general of Alabama's defense. I think Christian Harris, frankly, got his his fanny smacked several times by everybody in the film room because he had a bad game against Florida. He had a better game against uh, against USM. You know, that fourth down play, Christian Harris was in that poor tight end or whatever's back pocket. So, you know, that that's the last little bit that needs to come out, Drew. And I think the pieces are there. But, you know, I want to highlight one more guy, and then I'll kick it back to you. Jamil Burroughs, he flashed when he was in the game. The problem is I look at Jamil Burroughs in a very similar way to how I looked at young Christian Barmore. Now, that doesn't mean he's bad. That doesn't mean I'm being hypercritical of the young man. It means that Jamil Burroughs is still getting to the point where he plays within this Alabama defensive scheme. Because Alabama's defense, you know, as a construct, really, 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 really wants you to do your job, you know, the Patriot way, the Bill Belichick way. Do your job. If your job is to two-gap, two-gap. And what does that mean for a guy like Jamil Burroughs? It means that occasionally Jamil Burroughs guesses, much like Christian Barmore guessed. Now, when a guy like Jamil Burroughs or Christian Barmore guesses properly, guesses the right gap, it's a negative play tackle for loss. He looks amazing. Awesome. But when he guesses wrong, he's leaving a guy like Henry Toa Toa or Christian Harris out to dry, and it could potentially be a jailbreak. Until Jamil Burroughs demonstrates that level of consistency in high-leverage situations, he will not see the field for meaningful snaps. But you can certainly look at that and see the potential there, Drew. Yes, you can. No doubt about it. I mean, they, uh, there is potential there. And I'll just say, people forget, and to, to close the Texas A&M comments, Haynes King threw three interceptions against Kent State. So I don't even know if he would have set the woods on fire. I, I guess he is better than this Calzada, who's been underwhelming so far, even though he has a big arm. But, uh, again, not impressed with Texas A&M. And Arkansas just whipped them over. And their vaunted defense gave up over 440 yards of offense, that's with Traylon Burks getting banged up and K.J. Jefferson. We'll see how healthy both those guys are against Georgia. If they're healthy enough, maybe they can give the dogs a game. We'll see. But, William, uh, as I bring you back in, uh, you know, we, we got a few more minutes left in this BAMS radio episode. I know you've seen some of Ole Miss, as have I. Uh, I think they're, they're, a, they're a really good offensive football team, not sold on their defense. They look like they got a pretty good freshman kicker. But how do you see this matchup, Alabama, against the Rebels? You know, Drew, I I think this is all going to boil down to one thing. And, you know, I I got no trouble for – or or, or no no trouble with the swagger that Matt Corral carries in his back pocket. Um, I certainly think he's got the talent to uh, back that up. 
But, you know, we're talking about a guy that wants to charge you $10,000 to show up and take pictures with your grandkids at their birthday party, um, you know, come out and have a beer with you. He wants $10,000 for 60 minutes of his time. Um, I think he's going to walk into the most difficult atmosphere that he's played in thus far in the SEC Saturday afternoon. I mean, you know, the Alabama fan base, you know, knows the significance of this game. You know, they saw what almost happened last year. You factor in, you know, Lane Kiffin's homecoming to Tuscaloosa. Uh, I think it's going to be basically as electric as, as what Bryce Young had to navigate last Saturday in the swamp, maybe even more so. You know, is, is Matt Corral going to be able to have his, you know, Stephen Garcia, Johnny Manziel moment against the Alabama football team? We'll have to wait and see. But I, I think it all comes down to um, how he manages the game and keeps his, you know, swagger and gunslinger mentality in check. If, if he doesn't, um, then, then, you know, Alabama's going to win this football game going away. Um, and, and he is prone to, you know, making a lot of mental mistakes. Um, you know, he is a hothead. And, you know, when he doesn't keep that in check, he has a tendency to throw interceptions. Um, I certainly don't think, you know, Will Anderson and Drew Sanders are going to struggle to put, you know, edge pressure. Um, you know, when he does choose to, uh, you know, drop back and throw, and that might be, you know, Lane Kiffin's M.O. And that's what makes, um, you know, Will Anderson's stats not what they would have been, you know, 20 years ago. Um, you, you, know, you know, he tends to get the ball out of his hand and doesn't give you, you know, longer than a second and a half or two seconds before the ball's gone. And not even Will Anderson can put a quarterback on his back in two seconds. So I, I think it all hinges on, you know, how Matt Corral not only manages the Ole Miss offense, but how he manages himself. Yeah, that's a great point because he has had some meltdowns in the past. How much has he, uh, you know, uh, matured? And then the one thing for me that I need to see, I need to see Alabama stop the run because, see, somebody was asking the other day, well, when's the last time Alabama gave up 258 yards rushing like they did against Florida? Well, they gave up 268 to Ole Miss and two. 120-yard rushers uh, in Snoop Connor and, and then, of course, Jerry and Ely. So they've got to stop the run first and foremost. So if they do that and they put some pressure on Corral, I think no question about it that, uh, that Alabama can win. It can win by double figures. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I think they can win the game because I respect Lane Kiffin. I respect their offense. But I agree with William. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere on Saturday afternoon in Tuscaloosa. I think everyone understands uh, that Lane Kiffin would like to be the first Saban assistant to beat him. He knows he came close last year, but Alabama was just too good offensively and they couldn't get any stops. Well, Alabama, if they protect the football, get two or three turnovers, they're going to win this game and they're going to win it and look and look like the number one team in America. So I think that there's the, the possibility they could win this game by 17. If they play at a very high level, you know, and uh, I still think it would be a situation where Ole Miss would score 24 to 27 points, uh, you know, but maybe Alabama gets in the mid-40s to low-50s. So uh, I'm still not convinced that they've got an elite defense. I know that Chance Campbell, the transfer from Maryland, has made an impact, but Alabama's been able to see several games of of, uh, Ole Miss film, and I still – 
and I still think it's chestnut checkers, that Alabama has not shown some things that they could show to Ole Miss. And so, uh, and I, and certainly Lane's going to come up with some things, but you can't, you also can't reinvent the wheel. And I didn't think he, he reinvented the wheel last year. I just didn't think Alabama played very well. So uh, we'll see, but I'm, I'm still leaning toward more of a, you know, 45-31 type game with Alabama winning 45-35. I'll probably go with 45-31 is my pick, but I think Alabama's going to win this game and, and play well. But, Thomas, what are your thoughts? So, I, I think that the crowd factor is going to play – is going to pay big dividends for the Alabama deep team, Alabama football team, excuse me. We don't know how Ole Miss is going to react to a hostile environment, just by and large. At least, you know, 50 of their scholarship players have never seen an environment like they are going to see on Saturday. And you only need to look at what Florida did to Alabama last week to get a signpost for that. Now, I do want to, I kind of have a little rant here. There are some people in the Alabama fan base that get real bent out of shape when Bryant Denny isn't insane 24-7. And frankly, that's bullshit. In high leverage moments, Alabama fans are able to do what is necessary to help the football team win. It will be noisy it will be raucous, and it will be ready to rumble come 2.30 Central on CBS. Now, in terms of the Ole Miss football team, let me disabuse listeners of one notion. Lane Kiffin has been working on the Alabama game since at least May. Lane Kiffin wants as badly as anything ever you have seen on this planet to be the first former Saban assistant to beat Nick Saban. And because of that, he, ha- he is going to do some things. He is going to throw Pete Golding some looks that have not been on film. And Ole Miss is going to be able to move the ball on this Alabama defense. To me, though, I have yet to buy into this new look Ole Miss defense being better than they were. There are two big flaws with that, Drew and William. One, you almost couldn't be worse than last year because Ole Miss's defense was truly, truly an atrocity. But two, I haven't seen it against a team with a pulse. You look at Ole Miss's schedule. They beat a Louisville team. Louisville's in the ACC. Scott Satterfield has a long rebuild ahead of him. Louisville, to me, is just not great. Austin P. okay, right. And Tulane. You've got to give Tulane a lot of respect for playing Oklahoma close, but as I said before, how good is Oklahoma? So this new-look, awesome, amazing Ole Miss defense has not seen an offensive unit like this Crimson Tide one. I think Alabama's offense will find significant success against Alabama. I'm actually on a different wavelength, though, than both both you, Drew and William. 
I think this game is like a 52-45 kind of game, like the SEC championship. I think Lane Kiffin is a good enough schemer on offense that he will have some things to allow Ole Miss to have success. And I'll put it, I'll put it point blank. I don't trust Pete Golding as a better coach than Lane Kiffin. Period. <laughs> end of story. I don't. Like, Pete Golding, maybe you have to give him a ton of credit because last year's defense, right around November, turned awesome. And maybe this year's defense, mid-October, is going to put it all together and be awesome. I think that's a realistic possibility. But right now, against Lane Kiffin, that is a matchup that Pete Golding is not, frankly, is not equipped to win. So I think Ole Miss's offense is going to have a lot of wins against this Crimson Tide defense on Saturday. But one thing I didn't bring up from the USM breakdown to give Alabama fans heart, you know, I'm not trying to bag on the Alabama football team. It's an Alabama podcast, for God's sake. Alabama's offense has been humming along just tick, 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 to do your Chris Berman impression with just regularity, and it's been getting step-by-step better. You know, they were good against Miami. They were better against Mercer. Outside of the second quarter in Gainesville, they were solid and able to get Alabama a key win. And then yesterday, they were unbelievably good. And again, USM's defense was the unit, it's a G5 team, was the unit to hang your hat on. So Alabama's offense is getting better, and we don't know about Ole Miss's defense. And I'll take Bill O'Brien and his crew because I think Bill O'Brien is – I think he's got some stuff in the background. He's working on stuff. You know, you've got Jaleel Billingsley, the 12 personnel thing I brought up before. I think the Alabama offense is in a similar fix because give me Bill O'Brien over DJ Durkin any day in terms of coordinator matchup. Overall, Drew, I have to be honest. I do see a Alabama getting into the mid-50s, maybe 52 or 55 and Ole Miss getting into the mid-40s, you know, 45 points. And it's going to be one of those games that's basketball on turf. And the team that wins is going to be the team that is able to break serve a time or two. They're able to get a big turnover or get a big third down stop. And it's going to be one of those games that even if Alabama's up, you know, 52 31 going into the fourth quarter. It's hold on to your butts because Ole Miss's offense is good enough and it's a tempo-based offense, so it's really going to be on Pete Golding and Nick Saban to get rotations to keep players healthy and fresh through the entire game. It's going to be on everybody to maintain performance for four quarters. I think this Ole Miss offense is that good, and I think the stats are going to bear that out. Frankly, the only team I see looking out the first four weeks that has a shot to stop or slow down Ole Miss's offense outside of Alabama or Georgia, because frankly, they're so far ahead of everybody else, it's comical, is Arkansas. Ole Miss will go up and down the field on Texas A&M. LSU, oh, please. Oh, oh, please, 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 please play pattern match man-to-man against Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin will score 800 points, and I will laugh all the way to the bank. But 
That's the kind of team that I see Ole Miss being. But in the end, because of the crowd, because I just think Alabama has better players almost everywhere, Alabama should win this game, and it will be, quite frankly, the turning point where this team congeals as a group and Alabama as a unit rides it all the way to at least the SEC championship, Drew. Well, you know, they, they, I agree. I think this could be a really come-together type ball game. William, uh, before I make my final comments about what I saw out of Barry and Brown on Friday night, uh, who I think is going to be a big part of this Alabama recruiting class, uh, well, I know you like Alabama in this game. What's your pick? I'm going to kind of split the difference between you and Thomas. I, I think it's going to be, you know, Alabama 46, Ole Miss 36-ish. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I, the only game I've ever been to um, where I was actually on the field, um, you know, since they had both zones and, and all the, you know, the capacity was around 100,000, um, was the 2014 Alabama-Mississippi uh, State game when, the Hunchback had the number one team in the country, Dak Prescott. And, and just a caveat, I had no interest in going and being on the field for the first half as a football fan. I went to go meet the lone survivor, Marcus Luttrell. Um, hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm, kind of a, I'm, I'm kind of a closet Special Forces Navy SEAL fan and get all up into that stuff. But um, and, and I was absolutely blown away with, you know, when they pipe in that noise, uh, the crowd, the, the players, um, you know, I'm not going to sit there and say that that's the most hostile environment I've ever seen in, in college football, but it's certainly up there and can be problematic for a visiting team. Um, but but I like Alabama, you know, 46 to 35, somewhere in that range. And, um, you know, I do think Lane Kiffin's going to score some points. But, you know, I, I think that, that we saw, you know, um, Bryce Young and this offense, you know, go to the swamp and, and put up 30. Um, you know, I think that uh, that's a much better defense than what they're going to see at home um, on Saturday. And, and like I agree, and I agree with uh, Thomas. I do think that uh, Bill O'Brien still got a couple things in his back pocket that we'll probably see uh, um, Saturday that we haven't seen before. And uh, you know, I think he's building on that that base um, week by week. And uh, hell, Drew, go ahead and talk about Barry on Brown. I'm more interested in that than my damn old Miss pick. <laughs> well. I went to see him uh, play Tullahoma High School over in uh, Antonio, London, your former teammate's old stomping grounds. It's about an hour and 20 minutes from me. And, you know, I, I wanted to see Barry. And I'd met him this summer when I was traveling with Huntsville High Basketball and we were making our rounds and uh, playing our play dates. And we played one over at Pearl Cone and, in Nashville. And uh, we played a couple games on Saturday morning. And I started talking to their coaching staff and, you know, he, they said, well, he doesn't play basketball anymore, but he uh, he comes around a lot before he goes to weightlifting. And if he comes around, I'll I'll take him to you. So we were eating pizza in the in the uh, in their lunch room after we got through playing, and sure enough, they brought him to me. And I interviewed him a little bit, talked to him, took a picture, and he's got arms, you know, down to past his kneecaps, and he really looks like Devontae Smith's little little brother. And uh, he's, but he's, he's bigger. He's 6'1", 175. And he, uh, and they told me he was an even better track kid. He's recorded a 10, 400 and I hadn't, but I'd only seen film. I'd never, I'd never seen him play. So 
when I found out he was going to be pretty close by, I had to go see him. And so, you know, I went to see him, William, and let's just say this. They don't have a quarterback much of one over at Pearl Cone. They got a lot of athletes, but can't throw it real well. So the young man had to play quarterback, wide receiver. Uh, he had to kick off return, punt return. Uh, you know, he, he, he even punted one time. Uh, you know, he played both corner slots. I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, and, and of course, he had he played uh, uh, running back uh, as well. They put him in the backfield. He played about seven different positions. Uh, he ended up with, in the game with uh, 16 touches I, that I charted for 239 yards and a and one touchdown. And he had a 50 you know one yard kickoff return as one of those touches. And he had a 17th touch that would have been a 53 yard punt return, but it was called back. So, you know, he did everything but sell popcorn. He, he made two tackles, one for loss at corner, uh, and, uh, and he also had an assist. He played physical back there, and they were cheap-shotting him the whole game. He told him he was twisting his knee. He had to go out three times. He hobbled off the field, but he came back every time, which showed me a lot. And, you know, Pearl Cone lost a heartbreaker 24-21 when Tullahoma, who was undefeated, you know, forced a fumble late when – it looked like, you know, that Pearl Cone was driving to try to win the game 28-24. But still, I got to give Barry and Brown a lot of credit, William. I know he didn't catch a pass in the game, but he ended up with those 239 all-purpose yards, 188 rushing on 15 carries. And I'm just telling you, William, with the, he ran hard. He was hard to bring down. It took three or four guys to bring him down, even at 6'1", 175. And he, he, he broke tackles really well. And he, I thought he played with an edge, and he has the quickness and the speed that you can just you can't coach. And I think he's going to play early at Alabama. You know, he hasn't made his decision public, but everybody around there seemed to think Alabama was the favorite. And uh, of course, I told him after the game, I didn't interview him about his recruitment. I knew how upset he was about losing, but I just told him, I said, "Son, you know, God's blessed you." I said, "All you need to do, you need to go somewhere with a quarterback, with skilled players." around you uh and of course i said an offensive line and then a great coach head coach with a coaching staff that can develop you and a nutritionist and i said all and then you're gonna make a lot of money you just need to stay healthy and keep climbing i said don't worry don't let them get in your head i know they were cheap shotting you but i said you you have all the tools and he really does william he's he is i know they don't have him rated as a five star but maybe that's because he doesn't get a chance to catch a lot of passes but that kid is a five-star talent. He's one of the best football players I have ever seen in person. And Alabama needs to close the deal with him, and I think they will. He's he's a tremendous talent. Well, I know Ty, Ty Simpson thinks he's a five-star, and thank you, Ty, for locking up his commitment. <laughs> That's very well put. And yes. Uh, and if, and when I'm telling you this. If, if Right now we have a good wide receiver room, not a great one at Alabama. If they can get Barry and Brown – Evan Stewart and by, you know, and flip one and along with Prentice, you know, you've seen Prentice. He's been tremendous for Calera. And then maybe get one more stud uh, that's got some big playability. I know the young man that's the number one player in the country from Florida State. Alabama was watching him the other day, and I've heard he's a tremendous receiver. But if they can get three or four studs uh, along those lines, It'll be like the uh, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, uh, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, you know, foursome. And Alabama's going to go from good, really good in the wide receiver room to elite again. 
and that's what they need these big play guys that make explosive you know plays and he Barry and Brown would be a big piece of that and uh, I, I think he's going to be as like you said a member of this class soon but it was it was uh, it was awesome it, to go it, see him play live isn't Elijah Pritchett supposed to go public this week too yeah yeah we could Elijah Pritchett from Columbus, Georgia, probably the number one offensive lineman in Georgia. Everything we're hearing tonight is that he's going to Alabama. Florida State had made a move, but they're the worst football team, maybe in the Tower Five, and they lost another game to Louisville yesterday. And see, again, they they Florida State, their class may fall apart. They had a top ten class they were building, uh, but I mean, right now, William, if you look at that. Who is Florida State going to be? Because uh, you know uh, they, they're they're so bad right now. I'm not even sure. I would even guarantee that they would beat Syracuse next week. Yeah, yeah, it's it's bad. It's really bad. It really is. And so we'll see if they can. But if they can flip some of these guys like Travis Hunter, who's a five star wide receiver, and he's from Swanee, Georgia. If Alabama can bring in some guys like that with a Ty Simpson, and a buddy of mine went to watch Ty throw the other day said he's he's at least six foot one he throws a beautiful ball and he's got great athletic ability you put him behind uh, you know Bryce Young and then Milrow who's trying to develop you know I still think Paul Tyson's probably you know needs to transfer to another school if he wants to play like a Samford or something like that I don't think he's an SEC quarterback but certainly uh, Milrow has athletic ability and Ty Simpson's a five-star talent Uh, certainly Alabama going to be, you know, uh, putting themselves in position uh, to, to be a lead offensively again. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed our edition of BAMS Radio. Everyone likes Alabama over Ole Miss. Uh, Thomas, as he said, he likes it to be a, one of these Maalox games, 52-45, to 45, last possession of the game wins. Uh, I like Alabama to play their best game of the year. And I know that's in context. But I mean, I know I said they give up 30 points, but I think this Ole Miss offense is really, really good to elite. But I like Alabama to win 45-31. William likes 46 uh, to 35, somewhere around there. He likes my point spread, 10 to 10 and a half. But uh, we all expect Alabama to win the game. We're going to be here next Sunday to break it all down. We'll have recruiting news. Probably Elijah Pritchett will be public by then. Maybe, hopefully, Barry and Brown, who I got a chance, like like you just heard, to see this past Friday. But we'll be coming to you with another edition of BAMS Radio. Good night on this Sunday evening, and roll tide, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.